Hi, uh, Kreuzer. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. This week we have an interview with Majid Ilyas, who's recently taken up a post with Cricket Wales. He is no stranger to cricket, having started in Grangetown playing tape ball cricket with his brother and his friends. Then he played at Landaff Cricket Club and after that Cardiff Cricket Club. He represented Cricket Wales at age group level, entered the Glamorgan Academy, played for Wales Minor Counties, Cardiff MCCU, Glamorgan Second Eleven, St Fagans Cricket Club and currently Newport Cricket Club. We got our interviewer Jan Gray to talk to him about his new job at Cricket Wales. Okay, so we're here with Majahid Ilyas, who's Cricket Wales' Diverse Communities Development Officer. And he's going to be telling us a bit about his work with uh, Wales' Diverse Communities. So hi, I'm Mud. Hi, Jan, you again? I'm good, how are you? Good, thanks. Okay, so could you tell everyone what your job entails? So the main aspect of my job is going into inner city areas within Cardiff and Newport mainly and just providing cricketing opportunity for young boys and girls. And uh, why is that needed? What's been the problem with uh, cricketing opportunities in those places? So, to be honest, when I was younger, there was uh, a lot of cricket was played in these inner city areas, but for some reason, over time, cricket participation has declined massively, and young boys and girls have more gone into football and Football is a sport for them rather than cricket. So I think it's highly needed for them to, for the future of the game in these areas and for minor ethnics to keep playing a sport that we all love. A lot of these communities have heritage where there's a lot of cricket in their blood, so to speak. So why do you think that playing cricket has decreased so much in the last couple of years? It's quite an interesting point because like all the parents of most of the children in these areas that come to my sessions they also cricket crazy, so they'll play all the midweek stuff. Some of them play the Saturday stuff, and they constantly play. So I was a bit confused, to be honest, when 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 their kids went playing. But I've realised when I've been into local parks in the community more often, and it's just simple stuff like, in terms of Riverside and Grangetown, I've been to about seven, six or seven parks or so-called play areas there, and there's only two local parks that had actually set the cricket stumps on the on the cages. So, and then you look around and nearly, I think four of the parks had 3G football surfaces. So it's almost, that's why I think the football participation has increased so much is because it's almost like the all, all year round appeal of football. So when in the winter when the grass is muddy, the kids can go on the 3G stuff and play football. And then during, during the summer or maybe when the weather's a bit better, they can also go on the grass and enjoy themselves. And with cricket, they, they hasn't, the only lo- one local park where there's a set of stumps is Riverside, and that's the only park. And that's the park where when I do my session, I get to 30 to, 30 to 25 kids there because they've actually got something just as small as a set of stumps on the wall to encourage them to play cricket. So that's why I've gone down the route of trying to reintroduce the tape ball stuff and the softball stuff is because it's just a bit easier with the facilities we have in these communities in terms of concrete concrete surfaces and just a bit easier to for them, for the kids to play. So do you think then there is an interest in playing cricket? It's just the facilities that are a problem? Yeah, that's what I think. Because 
it's kind of slightly proven as well because when I first went into the sessions, I used to have like two to three children in each session. And now I'm into my, I think my ninth week of doing the sessions. Now in Range Town, I can get sometimes up to around 25 kids a sessions. And in Riverside, about up to about 30 kids. So the love and the passion for the sport is there. It's just the provision wasn't there for a long time. And now, thankfully, me going into those areas has helped quite a lot. So you said that in nine weeks, the uh, participation has increased a huge amount. What um, actions have you taken other than, you know, yourself going into these communities? What other actions are you and Cricket Wells taking to make this a possibility? So a major part of our long-term goal is to almost qualify volunteers and local parents to actually be activators and go on coaching courses. So thankfully, as Cricket Wells, we have the funding to provide for local parents or volunteers in the community to pay for them to go on their Foundation One courses. So hopefully over time, rather than... So at the moment, I can only set up probably three, four sessions a week, only because I have to be at every session and I have to run every session because I'm obviously first aid qualified, DBS, and I've got my coaching certificate. But what I want to do, I want to set up multiple sessions in both Cardiff and Newport. And the only way that can happen is by getting parents qualified so they can actually run those sessions in those areas with the children. And so I don't have to spearhead every session, rather I can almost look over every session and help out when needed. And have you had much take up from parents so far? Yeah, it's been incredible. So I've spoken to, so I usually get about three to four parents who actually stay at the session whilst their kids are there. And I've probably had about six, seven at the different centres, we do sessions, six, seven parents all together who've had great interest in doing foundation courses or activator courses for Dynamo's cricket and All-Stars cricket. We talk about, you know, the communities themselves doing things with activators, but is there anything that established cricket clubs can do to help with this problem? I think it's more of a cricket, our, our responsibility is cricket Wales to actually go into the communities and almost encourage people to go on coaching courses and more educate them to what's what's on their doorstep and how they can how they can help and then it's our job then to hand them over to cricket clubs. So a major goal for me is to all the children in my sessions, they're more like pop-up sessions and they'll run once a week. But my goal is to almost inspire the children and then hand them over to the cricket clubs. So to Landa Cricket Club, Cardiff Cricket Club, Newport Cricket Club, hand them over to them and then hopefully inspire them to play cricket for the rest of their lives. So it's more my responsibility to hopefully push them onto that journey, inspire them to go on that journey, then hopefully they can just carry on playing cricket with the, with the clubs they're at. Do you think that your personal experience has helped you to reach these people? I think, I think one of the major positives for me is almost being sort of approachable. So I live in like the heart of the community in Grangetown. So if there's an issue or a parent wants to find out something, they'll probably see me, like they could easily find me in, in the community and I could easily speak to them face-to-face or over the phone. And I think that's a big positive. And I think the other thing is I probably have more of an understanding of the almost the barriers to the participation of sport in this in these communities, especially with speaking to the women and the girls of the community about what stops them from playing, speaking to the older men and women who work and how they have to do their long hours in the day and how we can hopefully 
provide cricket to them or maybe on the weekend on a Sunday or something. So I think that's a big positive for me within this role. So you're talking about in nine weeks, you've done a huge amount of work. Why do you think it's been so long before Cricket Wales has got you in to help with this problem? Uh, so they, they, they've actually done work previously. So they used to do work with uh, Ali Abdi, who used to, I think, work a couple of days with Cricket Wales. And they did used to do pop-up sessions. I remember a couple of years ago, they used to have like an all-sorts cricket centre going on and a few of my friends used to volunteer at that. They had loads of children there. I think what's changed now is the work is more consistent. So before it used to be almost pop-up sessions. So I think Ed Smart of Global Cricket used to come to Grange Gardens every Monday throughout the summer. And and sometimes Cricket Wales would go to Valley Abdi and they'd do sessions in Grange Gardens or they'd go out and inform parents about all sorts of cricket. But now I think the difference is now it's more consistent where it's almost I'm in a full-time role where I can go like four days a week into the local parks and communities and offer cricket, basically. Do you think there was anything in particular that prompted the creation of your full-time role doing this? Yeah, I was, I was speaking to Mark White, who's my my line manager. He was, he was speaking about how he used to go into the communities and there used to be a massive buzz for cricket. But obviously, because there was not, because they had so much going on and there was not actually someone... I had a specific role for as a diverse community officer. They couldn't consistently go in. And he said he was like, he didn't like the fact that they used to go in, do massive sessions, but they didn't to come back until like two, three weeks. So he said it was a almost like a big focus point for him and like Mark Frost to hopefully get some to work in inner city areas to provide cricket opportunity. So uh, what role do you think diversity training can play in increasing participation? I think for me, diversity training is massive, almost just to make people coaches aware. So I'll give you an example. Like when I was younger, uh, when I was like 16, 17, we used to get on tours, we used to get quite bad rap of, or like he's not part of the team, does his own thing. Because when we used to go for team meals, a lot of them used to take pie in pubs and stuff. And I think Darren Thomas was the first coach. He's, I think me and, it's me and Uma Malik who played minor counties at the time, and Darren Thomas was the first coach that he came to me in Uma and he said, okay, we're going for a team meal. Uh, I know your dietary problem is being halal. Where do you want to go? I want you to come on this team meal with us and be comfortable. And it was almost like, I was, I'm not shocked, but it was almost like, I was so taken back that he's actually gone the way to say that because he was the first ever coach that actually said that to me. And then, so I was like, really grateful for that. And that almost made me feel like, like, so much more like part of the team than I had in like previous years on tours and stuff, just because I'll be able to socialise with the boys and enjoy a meal and have talking about the cricket and stuff as well. And he was really good. I remember quite a few times. And um, when we'd win a game and the boys would say for a drink, oh, we go for a pipe now. And then he would say, oh, no, before we go, we'll go for a team meal where Mujinu Mark would come and we can just like be as a team. And that was a really positive. And the other one was, so Mark Walton was another one. I think he's in work with Glamorgan now. And he used to ask like loads of questions. And I used to love questions because if there was something he was unsure about, about like religion, culture, something, he would ask. And then we could have dialogue about it. And he could ask me questions and I could tell him all the stuff I knew. And he would even ask my brother questions and my parents questions when they come to games, just to gain understanding. And I think that was massive. So I think just diversity training, just to 
be more aware of like cultural sensitivities. I think that would be massive for coaches, especially coaches who come from areas where they might not be in contact with loads of people from ethnic minorities. And just to make them more aware, because sometimes it's not always racism. Sometimes people just don't know like cultural sensitivities and not aware of certain things. So I think diversity training doesn't have to be like a 25 hour course. It just could be like local coaches, one hour a week, just something like that, you know? You've spoken very passionately there. Uh, do you think that for other people, you know, you carried on playing, but do you think for other people, the lack of cultural sensitivity can be a deterrent? Can it stop people wanting to play? I, I do think, I do think that's a major factor. So, when I, when I first moved to, I moved from Bosch Asians, which is now London Cricket Club. I moved from there to Cardiff. And I, and I loved there. Like, I loved every minute of playing with more, like, probably at a high level and more structured training and stuff. And so a lot of the people who at those clubs, obviously, and more, more people from ethnic minorities came to those clubs and played senior cricket. And I think the, not that, so not so-called a lack of sensitivity, but I don't think, they enjoyed it as much as I did. And I didn't really understand it at the time, like for why didn't they and stuff. But when I, as I've grown older, I've understood why maybe they didn't enjoy it as much as I did. No, that's you know, really interesting. Um, do you think that then the, uh, the the diversity training should occur at like even among like, you know, your level one coaches, among the uh, the community activators, say? In terms of the ECB, the foundation level one courses. Yes. Yeah, I think, I, I don't think it has to be something long. It could even be like a 10 minute PowerPoint of like just a short thing, like it, just to make people more aware of different like sensitivities to cultures and religions. And I think it would have a massive impact on making everyone feel more included in sport. Um, on a lighter topic, could we talk about, um, the sessions you already have in place? So the sessions I'm already running, uh, we do cricket on Mondays at Grange Gardens, uh, which is for a younger age, about six to 10 year olds, and then boys and girls. And then we do Fridays in Riverside Park, which probably for young teenagers. And then we've also got the Interfaith League on Sundays. So that's the teams from different religions playing table cricket, and we also run a women's softball session and we're doing some work with hopefully trying to get a dynamo session set up uh, for young girls in Riverside as well. So that's just a start and hopefully we'll look to kick on and do some plenty more as well. And who should people contact if they would like to get involved with any of those sessions? I just get in contact with myself and uh, hopefully as volunteers or kids who want to get involved, I can hopefully direct them in the right way. So, you know, you've actually given a very positive outlook on where this is going. It seems that you've done a huge amount of work in a very short time and that it's only going to get better. What are your plans for the immediate future and maybe longer term? To be honest, my main plan is just to get as many bats and balls in children's hands as possible. So, like, uh, the other day, Mark Frost gave me like three, four boxes of all-stars cricket bats and every session I go into, I just... I take a take a box and hand them out to children, and I did it in Riverside on Friday. It was just incredible. I thought, for me, it's like it was something small, just get a box. But 
just seen a smile on the kid's face and, you know, they would run to their parents and say, oh, look, I got this new bar. And then they would show their friends and then their friends would come over and say, can I get a bar? And they were just incredible. And I had loads of girls from the, uh, the other session on the other side saying, can I get a bar? And it was just, it was almost like, it was a good feeling seeing that many smiles on faces, something so small. And so that's my main aim, is just to almost push, push the crickling energy from me out to them and get as many kids as possible involved. And what do you expect the pro- the progress to be in the next year? Let's say year. So it's kind of it's, it's a bit difficult for me to actually judge at the moment because I'm, I'm only really running two free sessions a week. So my main aim is to hopefully push kids into all sides and dynamos cricket, like I said earlier. Hopefully, see that see that happening, and then almost like a chain where. More kids as they grow, they come in and they they go into also diamonds cricket and hopefully just keep going on like that. And what would you suggest for people who are listening to this and would like to do more in their own communities? Okay, just to just to get in touch. I'm always available. My contact details on my social media pages. You'll be able to find me on the Cricket Wales website. Just to get in touch and hopefully. If people are willing to volunteer or help out, it'd be great to get as many people on board as possible. You can find me on uh, g.ilias at cricketwales.org.uk and my number would be, I think, on that page as well. Perfect. Thank you very much, Mud, for your time and really good luck for the future. Thanks. Many thanks to Majid for giving up his time and to Jan for bringing us the interview. Just to confirm uh, Majid's contact details, he can be found on the Cricket Wales website. Uh, his email is Majid, that's M-O-J-E-I-D dot Ilyas, I-L-Y-A-S, at cricketwales.org.uk. And if you're on Twitter, you can find him at at DCO. that's at capital M-U-J-I-D-C-O. Next week, we'll be speaking to Ken Lewis, the oldest living Glamorgan player. He started his first-class career on the day my father started his back in 1950. Do join us again next week to hear Ken tell us some more stories about the great game of cricket in the great country of Wales. Hoilvaur, bye for now. Story you have need any. Macrosic Gisilti. A bossuch MWC pod nineteen twenty one at gmail dot com. Nate, Elchintidal in Facebook, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast. Nate, Intidal in Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod. Do you have a story you'd like to share with us? If so, please contact email MWC pod nineteen twenty one at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast, or our Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod.